0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: for five dollars a month you can actually see the thin green line interviews and other video content on patreon.com just search the thin green line podcast on patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com and feel like you're part of the conversation join us on this episode of the thin green line we have ingle entertainment producer northwood's law producer ben shank and ben's going to share with us uh his experiences of uh being a producer on northwood's law uh john norris is joining us too and john was on wild justice one of the very beginning uh tv shows that game wardens were involved with and i think it it was the first one wasn't it john
2: there was one you know guys there was one right before it in florida um florida kicked it off like a year or so before we did and something that's so cool about having been on the show is we get to kind of compare production notes and story content and what drives you know the the kind of the comprehensive game warden story in each episode so it's uh it's great to have you on ben man welcome to the show this is awesome yeah
3: yeah so Exactly, so the the Florida one, just to go off of what you just said, that one only lasted what like two episodes or didn't even air. I don't think it It, aired, did it? It it was really short,
2: but I made the mistake of uh, when Wayne and I started co hosting together, um, both these podcasts, and somehow we were talking Northwood's Law, Wild Justice, the whole Game Warden reality, you know, TV show got mentioned, and I put it up in an Instagram post and, and social media. I said, Yeah. We were, we were the first show that did it when Nat Geo approached our chief and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Everybody was really reluctant because the apprehension of liability and you know it could go wrong. But what it did for recruitment and retention, and I know we're going to talk more about this, it really blew up awareness in a good way. Right. And then uh, I had my Florida buddies and we have a lot of friends in Florida because we have some Florida game wardens and some SOG unit guys we're close with, Ben. And someone said, uh, just so you know, Lieutenant, uh, you guys weren't the first. <laughs> we were like- right before you i went you know what i stand corrected um we were the first but it i think you're right i don't think it went but an episode or two but they started the ball you know technically they pushed the snowball so we could get we could start uh networking what we do in a good way
3: yeah that's funny i mean everybody everybody from all the different states has their their claim of what whether they're the longest running one whether the first which network they were on and I mean, I have to say it, since it's the elephant in the room, you'll see the sign right up there that says Lone Star Lock. Um, yeah. Somebody somebody made it for me. Now, that one actually is the longest running yeah. out of all of them now. So, mm. Yeah. Uh,
2: then how many years has it been going? Because it's it's a great show, and I hear about it all over the country, not only talking guys out in Texas, but even the wardens up here in Montana. I'm up in northwest Montana now in California. Whole West Coast, we're aware. Of that show a lot of people are following it how long have you guys been going with that now
3: uh so that has been that was uh eight years okay. um total of uh 10 seasons you know with the streamers and all the different ways they calculate a season you never really know which one it is and uh but we did 125 episodes wow, awesome. uh um, over the course of i believe eight years So
2: that's a good long run for yeah. any series
3: yeah now is that done now ben lone star law you yeah. know, it is yeah I don't know if I'm breaking hearts, uh, but, you know, unfortunately it is, it was uh, not renewed. Um, And uh, that kind of, you know, we can talk about the television side side of things, which most people don't really realize what goes on back there. But yeah, Animal Planet really stopped doing new content for a while. Um, And uh, part of that was just because of the downturn in in business and cable television, uh, which has made the business a lot harder to do what we used to do 15 years ago when you could put a bunch of rednecks on camera and sell a tv show right (laughs) but uh you know or chase them and sell a tv show um but uh but yeah so it's been i mean i would consider myself a founding father of the of the genre itself um having come in on northwood's law as a field producer in 2012 um on the first season of, of Northwoods love Maine. Um, and in my career, I was just kind of coming off of a couple big shows. Um, Nat Geo had a show called American colony <laughs> meet the Fitterites in Montana. Um, and that was, you know, every show that you do is intense in its own way. Um, that one was uh, one of the ones that will go down in the record books of being one of the hardest ones I've ever done. Uh, mm-hmm. and right after that, I moved over to, uh, atlanta and i was doing a show with uh with whitney houston's family for a whole nother network and somebody called me up and said hey do you want to go to maine and i jumped at the chance and i remember get i get getting to my first station um uh, was in machias um and a brand new producer coming in meeting all the guys get, they had already done an episode before i got there uh, i remember getting my bulkproof vest and be like well this is cool little did i know 15 years later and 200 episodes later and five states later i'd be somebody that you know really come to love and support you know wildlife law enforcement parks and uh (laughs) parks and wildlife and pretty much every person i've ever come in contact with doing these shows that's that's a great testimony
1: to have like you said five states 200 plus shows uh and, uh, the, and, and your favorite is Texas. Cause now did you land in Texas because you were the producer of North, uh, Lone Star law?
3: Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, because of the show. Um, but when you travel around so much for these things you almost become part of wherever you are at like I felt like I could have moved to New Hampshire I felt like I could have moved to Maine I've done shows in Montana Alaska you you know all over the place and every time you go you embed yourself into those communities with those people Mm. and when you're kind of nomadic you're kind of always trying to figure out where your home is Um, and once you're one place long enough it starts to feel familiar you know Um, and Texas just kind of stole my heart after yeah, a couple of years. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, I would say it could have happened anywhere. Uh, it just happened, that it happened in Texas. Yeah.
2: Ben, you said you said something that, that really struck after doing all these episodes of a game-worn reality TV show. You learned to love it. Appreciate what wildlife officers do. I mean, you're you're like a subject matter expert on what we do behind scenes and you know overtly with contacts. And you know, comparing notes with wild justice, we noticed the same thing. We had all these really motivated, energetic producers, field producers, you know, lead cinematographers, yet they didn't really know what a game warden did exactly until they embedded with us, right? And then they started to really internalize like, oh, we got to get that guy. Now we're part of the team and I remember, you know, some lead cinematographers, we'd have like two days of 10 that we'd have a break in the middle of multiple cases we were filming, in, you know, Silicon Valley foothills or I was from in California. And I go, okay, well, we're going to go do a turkey hunt. It's turkey season. Oh, can I go? Well, <laughs> are, you, are you don't want to hunt? I just want to film it. I just want to see the process, you know? Um, and they would, they'd film a hunt, they'd show conservation from that side. And afterwards, like, so what does it take to get a hunting license? I go- well, you, you're embedded with us for the next six months for two or three seasons, whatever. Let's put you through a class. We have, we put a, so many wild justice staffers, <laughs> became licensed hunters, and then started just to embed in the conservation model. It was really cool. And I, it sounds like you guys on the East Coast with Northwoods Law, Lone Star Law, you guys have really bonded in addition to being a key outreach component of, of getting the word out of what we do that's uniquely different. Because people... Until these shows pop, they they really confused us with a lot of other agencies in kind of a microcosm of a few things that we do, the hook and bullet stuff, but everything else wasn't really really known. And we got a lot of responses from the public like, I had no idea you guys did that, and undercover and special operations and cartel stuff and whatever. It it was really pretty mind-blowing. So it's been encouraging the whole process and just wondering how that's been on your side with your staffers um, moving forward.
3: Yeah, I mean it's you brought up two really cool points uh obviously to answer your question everybody that ends up coming on the show leaves uh with a, a a new understanding one of just hunting and fishing and outdoor recreation in general um and then two, an actual true passion because they've now pulled the curtain back and understand uh what it means to know to have gun knowledge what it means to have you know all the different you know education that you need to have to be a, a, a true outdoorsman um so i think i would say 80 percent of any anybody that has worked on any of any of the shows i've worked on and if i was to take a tally i would say there's probably been at least 50 to 75 people that have worked under under me on either what you know in the years that we've done these shows um and they and you know it's my my goal too to give them that experience that they're ne- never never going to get anywhere else. I mean, and that's, you know, not just unique to these shows, but unique to television in general is part of why I love what I do is every time I do a new project, I get to enter a whole new world and learn something totally different and meet a different person in a different walk of life. Um, so yeah, the, the fun side of, of working on these shows definitely is, is a perk, but um, you know, when you talk about awareness and understanding about the fact that nobody really knows, you know, what game wardens do or didn't 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and then hearing people like yourselves, you know, talk about how you're now recognized, not just for being on TV, but for a, a job that people didn't realize was so important. People didn't realize how it affected them Um, and why education is not usually a, a selling point in television. These shows... We're able to educate in an entertaining way, but educate, you know, young and old, like male and female, just like anybody who watched it would get something from it. Um, and that's actually what's the most rewarding part about doing these shows that and obviously being able to tell, you know, somebody's story who maybe no one would ever know what they did or ever be recognized for something like the like the work that you guys do. Um and it sounds cheating. You know, I mean, you know, you when you think television, you'll think about all these good causes that come from it and that's why at the end of the day, you know, I'm just blessed to have been able to do this for so long. Yeah, and we have the other side too, is we
1: get to experience your job too, right up front and mm-hmm. personal too. And you guys became family too. You know, had dinners at our houses, became friendly with our wives, our kids. Um, and it was just uh it, it was really cool to have that other side and learn the production side. And, and you certainly taught me that Ben. I mean, I, I always tell everybody the story that when you yelled at me, so <laughs> and ben, I would not really yell yeah, you yelled at me. So, and uh, I'll tell you, we, we were doing a, a search for an antler hunter. He was, he was a lost antler hunter and Ben's in my cruiser and everything. And I, I just gave directions like I normally would to my guys. And he's like, sees these game wardens walking off. He goes, where are they going? And I said, well, they're going to go do this and this. He goes, I need to know that. I need to send a film crew with them. And I'm like, okay,
2: okay. i missing it.
1: So I, I, yelled, I yelled back at him and I, I had him come back and we, we put a film crew with him and, and things like that. But I I made up for that because the helicopter wasn't coming in. And Ben's like, geez, the helicopter would be really good footage. And I said, okay, I can make the helicopter come in. I'm like, hey, can you drop off my sergeant? Um, can you drop oh them? Gosh. And they're like, they, they come around and they, they land in this LZ and everything. And it is great. And it, you can see on the episode and Mark Ober gets off of it and he's very confused and he, he's walking up and we get what out of we the, we? we get out of the, the wash of the helicopter. I'm like, I, you know what, I, why I had you dropped off here. He goes, no, why? Because his cruiser's like hours away. And I said, good television and he punches me (laughs) and he punches me he's like what (laughs) so i had to drive him back to his cruiser but uh yeah i made for uh you know because we had used the the border patrol helicopter so we didn't want to lose that and they were ready to jet back and drop mark off at his cruiser and we we were never going to see that helicopter we could hear it but we weren't going to see it because we had found the guy and they were going to go back and i'm like nope 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 we need uh We need Mark here because, Ben, we needed some good footage. He's like, oh, that that helicopter would be
3: really good footage. So I'm like, yeah, we can do that. I mean, you saved the story. Yeah, It's funny (laughs) that you're telling this story because it feels like yesterday. (sighs) But we weren't with the person that found the guy. And so part of the shows is always you're just at the mercy of whatever is going to happen. You can try as hard as you possibly can to be with the right person at the right place. But the chances are that you're not going to get what you're going after. And so you learned how to be a producer that day from that day on. I was like, he's got it because he knew how to save the story. Cause even though we weren't there when we found the guy that connected, connecting piece was able to just put the button on it and all you needed, Yeah. Cause TV, you know, the best part about these shows is you, you have no control. Um, mm-hmm. it's actually a dying art form to where we, where people go out there and just shoot and hope they get something, take it back to, to the edit and see like, how to make a good story. Um, Mm. But that, yeah but when you guys learn the trick to the trade it's like it's like magic we, uh, we don't even have to work it's yeah a little like tough pictures. love that helps you know
1: so yeah. <laughs> i'm a little thick at times <laughs> ah, you're my favorite
3: we had a good time we did so i i did have to i did have to leave you guys a couple episodes in or a couple seasons in just because you were in good hands and you're all already- yep. You left
1: us in good hands, Then, no doubt. We had some excellent producers. But those first days, uh, that Mount Washington uh, search and rescue, like the first day they're filming, John, uh, we're recovering a body, the guy named Carrier, that was probably oh, yeah. three yeah. weeks yeah. out. We had AMC volunteers. I probably had 30 of them that day, and we were trucking them up. And this is kind of a funny story. Uh, and Ben's with me, and I think you were in the back of the truck or but I have Mary Fluette, who actually Eric's wife that now. Yeah, no wife. Yeah, So, but it was his girlfriend, Mary Glover, back then, and they had just started dating, and she was in the truck with me in the cab, and I was mic'd up, and all these guys are in the back, the camera guys and a few other search and rescue mission guys in the back of the truck as we're driving up, but I'm starting to ask her personal questions and stuff like that, and, and all of a sudden it dawns on me, and, and we're, we've been talking probably 15 minutes or so, I'm like... Can the I'm mic'd up. They I bet they can hear me in the back, and sure enough, I look at the back and they're all nodding their heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so funny. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's the best when you guys forget that we're actually there. That's when that's, that's when you know we're doing our jobs really well. Right. Yeah. And that's easy to do
1: after a while, um, for sure. You know, the first few times and I'm sure you experience it, John, you you get it, you're all self conscious, but then all of a sudden you start doing your job and it just flows. And you just forget those camera guys are there. But it's funny because the the new people, you always interact, never forget the camera are are there. And I swear we had violations just so they could make TV too. You know, I I just swear (laughs) that they wanted to be on television so they would violate to be on television.
3: Oh, yeah. The people in Texas, especially East Texas... Half the half of those people were just waiting for us to be Now yeah.
2: <laughs> we just I'm on T V today. How many deer do
3: I have to shoot before they show yeah. up? <laughs> yeah. I'll take the ticket, I'll take the misdemeanor, I don't even care. But uh, what's funny about that first season of Northwoods New Hampshire was well what you I'm having flashbacks now because that week we had the whole season. We had like oh. three rescues. We had two drownings. We, it was just we had the bears. I like mean, you, you don't get. I, I, ironically, with Lone Star and Northwoods, the first the, we never were able to to compare to the first season. With there was the that season. that dynamic, huh? First round, yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, especially yeah, with with uh, Texas, I think you guys had some really good stories as you went along. But to be able to get that many A stories right off the bat for first season was just remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, the first episodes of Northwoods, New
1: Hampshire was, uh, Eric fluette had, um, it, it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday and he had the film crew that day. And I said, Eric, what are you going to do? with His first day. His first first day. day. (laughs) Yeah. And he he had a good plan. It was kind of rainy and drizzly and, you know, and he had, he's like, I got some furs to seal and uh, I got this and that. So he he had generated in his mind what they could do that might be interesting. So, and on his way north, he checks some fishermen and it's raining, the water's high and he tells them, hey, hey, you know, be careful. It's, you know, it's, you know, water's up, it's raining, it's supposed to come up and that afternoon, they're doing a search and rescue mission for the, one of the guys that he told to be careful, goes down the river in a canoe with his uh, girlfriend's son and uh, drowns. Um, wow. So, But they got him on film alive, Eric giving him the warning, and then it turns into a search and rescue mission after that that lasted four days. Um and they got some incredible footage there from divers to airboats to, oh my goodness, we had everything come out to the recovery that we actually stopped looking and then we somebody found him on Saturday. So he'd gone downriver, and uh, so, but they were there for that too. So we were running yeah. and gunning uh, four days later and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, that was his first day on like a, a, a midweek that you don't expect anything to happen and uh, boom. You know and that was the first episode that aired from new hampshire was that episode and it was it was yeah even for our standards that was that
3: was a pretty bad dream he was first to respond i mean he was he wasn't even responding he was just going back down the river to check Mm. and the same people are like we can't find our buddy so literally he walks into this thing without even getting called his search for this guy yeah that was that was tragic and you know along with all the good stuff that we talk about it, you know, this is a real show. Mm. And, you know, when do you think about the, the crews and the people that are, you know, coming from who knows what, what kind of background. A lot of times this is the first experience they ever have with, with death or with, 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 you know, crime or, you know, blood even, um, you know, we, you obviously, we look for people experienced backgrounds that, you know, are going to fit into this, but I mean, not a lot of people, Go on recovery searches, you know, for fun. Uh, so a lot of times you're seeing your first, you know, dead body on these shows. I saw mine in Maine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, then I was like, well, oh, there's a guy that had a heart attack hunting. Yeah, it was an overnight search, you know, and he we found him 20 feet from um, where he parked his car. Um, and I was like, okay, this is this is real. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you say that, and I had, after that first
1: episode aired, I don't know how many calls that I got from friends and said, is this real? You know, and I'm like, yeah, that, that really happened. And they're like, really? And through that, they, they kept saying, I never realized what you did, Wayne. Or they would read a book, um, you know, where you will find me with Kate Matrasova uh, with a search and rescue mission. And they'd be like, yeah, I had no idea w- what you guys did, really. So, and and that's what you, you know, these shows connected is what we do and how we do it and nationwide i mean you went from the new, northeast to, to texas and you know you've been all over the
3: country yeah i want to pull the curtain back on on uh wild justice but john i do have some questions um, oh, yeah. uh cool yeah, I, was, uh, on, uh, I was gonna
2: i was gonna pipe in on a couple of stories actually but you go yeah mm, mm,
3: well yeah. that's the, the funny part is that people ask me that all the, that all the time too they're just like this can't be real and I I, I'm sorry. Ninety-eight percent of it is real and the two percent that's not is just to fill in the pieces. Um and you know, early on we knew, you know, and my question, you know, is actually curious about the way you guys did your production and and you know, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but what was unique about Angle Entertainment um with, with Maine was we set a precedent where uh, the the agency was allowed to have an oversight on the review process. Um, and, you know, it took us a year to get there and reluctantly Discovery gave in. Um, but that was something ultimately that became our calling card, which... Mm-hmm you know, ultimately led us to Texas. And, you know, we have we have developed with New uh, New Mexico. We had a show with Nevada that unfortunately um, didn't get to air, still fingers crossed, and, you know, Colorado, Montana, and a lot of other places. But, and even now, outside of the law enforcement world, we're able to take that to other agencies and law enforcement agencies, government agencies, and say, hey, we know how to navigate this for you so that you have you know, a safety net involved. Um, so I was just curious. I, I mean, I watched a couple of shows. It was, a you know, early on. And I remember somebody falling down the side of the mountain. And I was like, what's that? You know, what, you know, right, I was, right. you know, curious. Because having done some shows for Nat Geo, that, you know, I know that it's any network super reluctant to ever give any creative control over to, to anybody, really.
2: Yeah, no, it's a good question. I was going to bring that up because something Wayne and I have talked about when we've talked about our time on reality game warden shows East West and other wardens that we've had on on Wayne's side of the world. and I've always been I mean I was just blown away because one of the reasons and I got to give a little bit of backstory, we did not have creative control. we did not have editing control. What we had and what my chief Nancy Foley at the time and she was on our wardens watch podcast, amazing leader, one of my mentors, but she asked a lot of us that did a lot of outreach, you know, hey, what do you think should we take this opportunity? And we weighed the positives and the negatives because the liability issues, when you don't have content control, when you don't have editing oversight, um, and you're driving for the A story all the time, are you going to get enough conservation stories? Um, You know, the father, the daughter, hunting a deer for the first time, validating that deer, a little bit of hunter education. We had so little of that because Nat Geo really wanted those A stories, understandably. Um, But we were taking a gamble every season we did that show because... All of us that were with the chief kind of looking over this stuff, see the episode before it would air kind of in a pre-edit. And that was it. That was, you know, this is what we're going to put out there. So we, I mean, it was a, it was a huge hit. It was tied with Border Wars, number one on Net Geo. all three seasons we did it. We had an offer for seasons four to six immediately. And that's when our chief talked to a lot of us that were on the show a lot, and especially our admin staff that were coordinating all that and said, what do you guys think? And I said, well, we have unlimited recruitment and retention. We have we're back to thousands, if not tens of thousands, of people wanting one of four hundred positions. We're getting special operations veterans coming back because we have a special operations component fighting the cartels and illegal cannabis and all this other stuff. I got, do we need this? Do we take this chance? Um and ultimately we decided not to, right? We decided not to. Now, if the shoe were on the other foot and we were working with you guys, and I wish we were, we probably would have went ten seasons with that show. Mm simply because we could have you know, crafted it. And I look at the Northwoods Law template that it has all those really exciting um, next level in-depth game warden stories that don't look traditionally game warden, like a search and rescue Wayne, a body recovery on a simple warning that your officer made. But all that other s- is driving the A story. But I was just trying to get, give me four minutes an episode in an hour of a conservation feel good, you know, out there doing it. And I think I was one of the very few because I kept pushing that when they were with me. Oh, we get them the A stuff. We got crazy stuff on that Geo. But, you know, contacting that hunter on an ATV, giving them water on a real hot day, helping them take out their deer when it's like 110 degrees on an A zone deer opener. They're out of water. They're way in the back country on foot only. We got a couple of those stories in. And even the producers that I'm very close with, and we built those same bonds I'm like, we're going to do this. You know that, right? Because they're walking and we're not walking with them. We're going to take their stuff with them. All right. And it made the show. But it was like pulling teeth to get that out there. So um, it was a little, you know, it was was that give and take, that positive and negative. But everybody asked me, Ben, so many times they're like, did you you really get... Did the camera crew show up at just the right time to catch those cartel growers running and diverting the water and doing this, or that guy, you know, trading deer meat for methamphetamine and you staked his house out and did that high risk warrant and you got everything. You didn't stage that. I go, no, we didn't stage that. But I can say, um, huh. a little, you know, pull the curtain back that those teams are very dedicated, just like you and your guys were, where we would sit on, say, a cartel grow when we were starting to go that direction, because that was really that was sexy stuff on TV because nobody had seen it. They hadn't really seen it from other agencies, and now we're you know we're on short haul lines under helicopters. We're running with SWAT gear, canines are doing crazy stuff. There's water pollution and dead animals everywhere, and the nation's going, "What the heck is this?" And you know what are game wardens doing on that? Um, and we immersed for five days on a case I had generated on these. They weren't living uh, cartel growers, but they were going through like a sedate Silicon Valley family park. Jumping a fence covertly, going about half a mile back into this canyon. And ironically, my good friend, who's a lead cattleman from an iconic cattleman family, the fields in Santa Clara County that I grew up with, they had their cattle lease out there. And so this girl had dead, you know, gray fox, the cow or possibly drinking these EPA banned poisons, but they weren't living there. So we had to like wait them out. So it was like 100-plus degrees, and we had a dedicated film crew, team one out of three statewide. They stayed with me for five days straight, and they finally said, Hey, we got to go, man. We got (laughs) to go start filming something we can do. Um, But I'll tell you what, I'll teach you how to use this Sony high-def camera, and if you guys get it and you can film it safely or whatever with your GoPros, we'll leave this stuff. And you know, Wayne, like you, got to know how this stuff is done, how to produce it, how to kind of film it. The day they left, the next day, <laughs> it happens. It's three wardens. Here come the growers. I'm like, oh my goodness. So it's it. We take them down. We catch them. We film them. We do all that kind of stuff. We're talking to you know. We got the sheriffs coming in to back us up. So the arrest was very fluid. It was all the pre-production that we had done of all the setup, all those five days, the briefing, the missions, you know, the backstory, the interviews, and then integrated the footage I generated to complete the case. And then, you know, the producers had to come back and do like a follow-up interview of that night and things we discussed that night. So everything you saw on camera happened as it happened, but maybe it wasn't quite in sequence, you know? And then the other thing was, I always get the question of, well, did you guys ever you know kind of get asked to like you know fudge an arrest or make something happen because you got to get something like a spotlighter that night and i'm going to say right now the answer was yes we got asked and the answer was unequivocal no (laughs) i said if you guys want to catch a spotlighter tonight you're going to catch a spotlighter tonight or you're going to sit for a week because that's how we roll um and that was one of the things i think that the, the camera crews and the field producers that we made lifelong friends with like the bonds you guys generate um wanted to do it by the numbers and they want to get embedded and they wanted to catch the real stuff in the act they didn't want to like you know produce anything they don't want to fabricate anything but obviously there's a network driving for stories there's deadlines uh you know i know the production game and i know how it goes with the networks been through all of that um but at the end of the day you guys immerse and you work as hard as we do and as long as we do and there is a family there you know kind of like a force multiplier like our little thing green line of involves cameramen. Field producers, producers, sound people, um, and it's a lasting deal. And at the end of the day, like I talk about with Nancy and Pat Foy and all the people that were kind of behind the scenes with our Wild Justice production, yeah, there were some stresses and mishaps, but what we gained out of that, not only in the nation, but worldwide awareness, and I think legitimacy and credibility and respect as game wardens, exponential, no exaggeration. So. Um, anybody that didn't want to be on camera, there were a lot of our officers said, oh man, I'm not taking that risk, man. You Hollywood guys go and do that. I said, well, this has nothing to do with Hollywood. You know, our eight hour day is going to become a 14 to 16 hour day for everybody. Our film crews, us, we're going to work our tail ends off. We're going to try to get good stories. And, you know, Wayne was the same way, I'm sure. When you guys show up and we have this opportunity, we're going to work as hard as we can to show you what's really out there because we get one shot. And Ben, you said it best. It's like, you know, a needle in a haystack that you're going to be there at the right time. So when that case goes down, you're going to work it out like that warning your officer and the guy drowns. I mean, what are the odds of that in season one? That's like a mind-blowing A-list story or an A-story. It's a tragic event, but it just shows so much more depth to, I'm just checking your fishing license today, sir, in the game in profession, for lack of a, a better analogy, you know?
3: No, I mean, and the all the different dynamic ways that the job in is like what you guys are required to do that's like this this big right right compared to everything else that happens underneath and and it, it is it is really nice to be able to know that you guys all of us everybody that's ever worked on these shows like the ultimate goal was to show the public hey these people are really doing something worth everybody's benefit yeah um so as a former californian i have to ask (laughs) okay um, i I did grow up in el dorado county uh i don't did you guys ever make it up there
2: yeah i ended up going to el dorado county and teaming up with uh a warden i started my career with named jerry carnell he was an el dorado county warden and we were chasing this like psycho archery person that was shooting deer at night in people's yards and doing drive-bys with spotlights and kind of an, like the an eerie fog, you know, and it, it made this like spooky story and we would track an arrow and then we'd find a dead deer in like a, you know, a, a wet culvert in a kind of a suburb that had like five acre parcels. And, uh, that's the one time I worked in El Dorado County, uh, with wild justice. And it was like the, which is sinister. It was a weird type of case and people loved it, you know, just, <laughs> Piecing it all together it was like kind of a, a super sleuth case where we finally, you know, caught the suspect. But it wasn't that exciting action wise. It wasn't like a big you know, handcuffs and tears and drugs and all that crazy stuff. But but it was a good case. It was fun to work.
3: Nice. Right. Yeah. It's a El Dorado County. I don't know. Is a mispronounced for being weird. Uh, <laughs> I <haven't, yeah>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, in downtown Placerville. There's there's still somebody hanging from a rope because there was
2: yeah it's right it down there. in old town yeah. yeah i go through there a lot I'm, I'm in montana now full time but oh you are nice we're, whereabouts i'm right down in south silicon valley so like the gilroy morgan hill area kind of 30 miles south of the hub of silicon valley where i grew up but we're yeah I still spend a lot of time down there throughout the year doing work and and, and stuff like that but uh but yeah crazy um small world yeah mm, for sure
3: so ben and now you're montana go ahead yeah. no go ahead no um, oh, I just shout out to anybody in Montana. I went to Montana State. So, Did you? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm
2: about... So you were down in Bozeman. Yeah. In Montana State. I'm about five and a half hours northwest of that in remote Lincoln County, kind of on the Kootenai River where they filmed the opening scenes of Revenant, River Wild, and things like that. But ironically, that same cattle family that were affected by that cartel grow we got that bust on, their youngest daughter... We just moved her up to Montana State. She just started Montana State this last semester, and uh, yeah, going to go going to go the route. So good stuff. Very cool. Awesome. So Ben, do you have a favorite story?
3: Uh, see, I was hoping you were going to send me some questions ahead of time that I could prepare for, because I, I started yeah. thinking like, what are they going to ask? Me? But it's you you editing, think well on your feet,
1: editing. man. I mean, let let us uh, face it. I mean, you used to ask me these questions all the time. I know, you know, just talking tough. Yeah, so let's well. get, let's let's bail out, and we're gonna we're gonna do our uh, follow up right here, you know. Um, so I, I just figured your favorite story, and it could be a Texas one. It doesn't necessarily have to be a New Hampshire one, um, or
3: a Maine. Yeah, one that the really great thing out. about the uh, the great thing about Maine and New Hampshire, um, and. I don't need to get myself in hot water with the Texas guys. (laughs) But um, you guys worked. You guys worked hard. Like, regardless of whether we were there or not, you guys were working. And when you worked, you weren't just like working your neighborhood or doing your route or waiting for a call. Like, you're like in Maine. Uh, What is the name of the road that goes along all the, uh, the, not the pipeline? The Golden Uh, Road. It's like, Uh, what is the name of that anyway they would go up and down um, and it was uh, where the the power lines run through and it's like a 50 mile stretch where anybody could go in and out and hunting and there's kind of Machias down to getting all my places in Maine Um, but the main game warden so the people I worked with most closely with um, was Alan um, he's going to Dang it. I'm gonna forget these people's things. Um Chris McCabe. Yeah. Um and, and Alan. Uh somebody uh, somebody on the podcast is just screaming at me, being like, It's last name this. <laughs> uh, and they would stake out for hours. they were, hey guys, get ready. We're we're on a stakeout, probably gonna be overnight, bring a sandwich. Like <laughs> we don't know where we're gonna find. Um <clears throat> And so just the adventure of going out and knowing that, you know, we're, we're far from anywhere that you can get a, you can go to the bathroom, far from anywhere that you're going to get out and be like, no. these guys aren't going to care because they're working and this is what they do every day. So, you, you know, you just better be ready to have a good time. And we would just you know, hang out in the car, listen to the coyotes, tell stories. Uh, and so New Hampshire and Maine that, that in general, those were kind of like, the nostalgic things that I, that I get excited about if I was ever to go back out with the crew. I mean, fortunately as I grew in my career from my, my producing field producing days on Northwood's law, Maine, where I, you know, say, I mean, and I, I, don't know how the crews were on, on wild justice, but you know, each, each game warden would have, you know, a producer and a shooter and then yep. a couple other, a couple other team members that would, you know, come in and out, um, yeah. you know, and so, uh i was northwood's law in maine was kind of one of the last shows before i you know started in my career and ended up becoming you know an executive producer Um uh, so i didn't get to do the fun stuff as much um right. after after that but uh and way
1: you well i i kept telling you that first time when we cleared the tree line on Mount Washington, I'm like Ben. Do you ever see any of this in Maine? Huh, no, Ben? Do you ever
2: see no, this in Maine? <laughs> no, like real mountains, real bit massive distas.
3: I mean, Texas. We had some like some crazy stuff happen, right? Mm. Like you know, you would get a call and then you were on it, and you know stuff that you would just never believe that would happen happens. Um, yeah, and I will say your crew. I mean, when when we
1: started doing those mountain stuff, they, they re-geared up because it was, you know, it was mountain gear. And if they were going to do these these rescues with us, then they had to have the proper equipment. And I remember, uh, yeah, there was some money spent there to, to, to get them properly equipped for the White Mountains of New Hampshire. So, oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and, and you guys had some really fit people too, which was impressive. So those guys would go, 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 go. Uh, right along with us, so it was that that's my hat's off to those uh producers and camera guys, you too. I mean, you were fit as a fiddle too, and you were uh-huh. out there going and so I, I always remember that and uh, I can't even remember his name, but I nicknamed him Gollum. The guy back that they leave it. Oh the, yeah, Nick, Nick, Nick Stewart. Yeah, golem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he, they, <laughs> so they have a guy back in the hotel room that does all this. Uh, all the, the film that they filmed the day before, they give it to him, and he's gotta upload it or download it. And so yeah. I, because but you never see him in certain circumstances, and that's why I call them
3: Well, Gollum. they <laughs> come out at night. So, but but funny about that, Tim, you know, you have all these people like like Nick Stewart, mm-hmm. and you know, I can go, the list goes on and on where. A lot of times, we these people were coming onto the show as their first gig ever. Um, I think he's one of them. And And now he is a assistant cameraman on Survivor. Um, You know, and some of the yeah. So even I mean, the experience that somebody gets, just speaking from a production side of side of it, what you learn that I don't think is really possible to learn on a lot of other shows. The producing aspect, the logistic aspect the coordinating the interpersonal aspect where you have to be trusted by a law enforcement officer like there's so many dynamic uh skills that you learn on whatever job you're going to do on this show that ultimately set you up to be super successful on any show you ever work on Uh, and that was always really something i wanted to you know give everyone who worked on these shows an opportunity to grow you know a lot of people will be like i don't know how to run a camera i'd be like okay well you're gonna learn you know do you want to learn as long as i'm happy for you to try because guess what like we don't know what's gonna happen if you're standing there with a camera
2: yeah yeah man (laughs) fill and flow baby yeah Mm. yeah
1: Uh, I have some good Gollum stories too so Gollum came out during the day one time and it was another rescue on Mount Washington and he he had the camera that day and he was all excited and uh, it was just me and him and we get up to the top of Mount Washington and he I opened my door and then he went to open his and that's a, you don't, you don't open two doors. Um, It was 65 mile an hour
2: winds. You started the wind tunnel. Exactly.
1: So as soon as he starts to open the door, I yell, no, I scream at the top of my lungs, but it's too late. The door gets caught by the wind. It opens up and every piece of paper in my cruiser goes, whoosh, I don't even remember what I lost. It was like every piece and there's this cloud of paper going and Nick standing there looking at me in dire shock. And I'm like. It's too late now. Don't worry about it. So, And so we go out and on, on the top of the Mount Washington. And, we I mean, you were just shoving your way into the wind. So it's holding you, holding you. And then every now and then it was stopping you to fall down. And all of a sudden I hear this holler. And I see Nick. I turn around. And he's rolling backwards. The wind is blowing him. And he's got the camera cradled. And he's doing this back thing, but he's protecting the camera with his body hey, as he's rolling backwards. And I was like, I get to him, I'm like, Are you okay, man? And he's like, yeah, What's Is the camera okay? I'm like, The camera looks fine, man, but you you just took a beating. So, my gosh. <laughs> same, I mean, same the thing. They take a beating. They
2: do. They just, they, yeah. My hat's uh, off to Gollum, man. That's a warrior protecting it, just like a, a sniper's protecting he, the rifle, he, man. He Miller, you saved the rifle first uh, yeah. yeah that's that's no joke you gotta tell orville for that wind tunnel he created oh it
1: was no joke no joke so uh, that was all fun stuff so i get some i got a great picture of the the crew we had over for dinner one time so hanging out uh, oh yeah that's yeah
3: I remember that. yeah uh, i do have I, I i have now been thinking in my brain i have one of, of, of my favorite story or at least one very memorable story from each northwoods maine new hampshire and and Texas. okay good job all right that's a producer there for
1: you john that yeah. he he doesn't want to isolate one so he's got to find three from all the
3: shows he's been heavily involved there, with
2: there's there's a top one in all three you know there, that's yeah. got to be fair he's
3: yeah, got to yeah, be I mean, and, and each one has its own meaning i mean to for so for Maine, and i this is one of the stories that i would always hear people bring up like what about that moose? what about that moose um you, you know, you guys get calls about animals that are stuck in fences or might get hit by a car and are still alive. Uh, um, and it's, you know, probably not the most fun part of the job to have to go and euthanize an animal. Um, but it is part of the job. But you're always going to do what you can to save it if you can. And obviously, there's a lot of elements that are in play that, you know, ultimately force your hand on a decision. Well, we are up in northern one of the northern parts of of maine um and troy thibodeau i don't know if that name sounds familiar but he was um fairly regular you know in the middle seasons of of northwoods law maine uh he's he was a rookie at this time we're on a golf course and a moose um has either been hit by a car oh no he got caught in a fence and was just exhausted we got him out of the fence and ultimately the moose uh you know, is 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 tired. You know, we're giving it space. We're hoping that you know you can cool his body down. And, you know, and these are all things that we learn from you guys. That you, know, I'm always gonna, I'm always gonna jump back and forth between my real life and and my producer life because in my real <laughs> life, people ask me all these questions all the time, and I just happen to know all the answers. And the reason why <laughs> is because I've done all these shows. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> I know how to cool down an animal so it can i got this i can use a catch pole. <laughs> totally um so the the moose isn't cooling down um it's not getting up um or she um and, and that's another funny thing about uh being a producer on these shows where you guys always call the animal he or she and then we go and we put it in the episode and go back to the network and the network writes us back it's like well how do you know it's a female how do you know it's a male obviously you know there's, there's some things but in, in, in Texas yes. if it was an alligator, we, it, 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 was an alligator. Yeah, it was an not? alligator yeah it was <laughs> an alligator we can't really call it a she if you don't even know anyway <laughs> so this, this moose was, well, it had huge paddles so it was, it was a male um, you know wasn't getting up wasn't cooling down um, so Troy thought that we should give it an enema of with cool water. <laughs> oh, God. And we spent half a day pumping water into this moose to tr- try to cool it off and to get it up and, and to get it. And, and there's been like no other effort. Well, uh, you know, to say you could in Maine, they really will go through all lakes to save a moose. Um, but this was an all-day event, an enema for a moose. The moose, um, I think, did not make it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was a galley. I'll never forget, like just rooting for him for the moose, like everything he was doing to save this moose's life. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I'll, an I'll, yeah, enema. Sorry, that's my dog sneezing. I'm in mean, there. I mean, um, but and then it, uh, so I guess I missed that episode. Uh, it's it's early it was like probably episode or season one or two (laughs) I have to go back um do you remember the story with um it was in the, the Farmington not Farmington area Concord area with the old guy that came out of the house um this is in New Hampshire um Brad uh Moore is gonna kill me for not remembering the names of these people um with a turkey
1: case that was yelling and screaming to get out the property yeah that was adam cheney's case yeah yeah that was was so good yeah yeah that
3: that was one of my favorite i mean you couldn't have like predicted that that this guy was gonna lose it and that's just and and you're sitting there behind the camera you're like oh my gosh this guy's (laughs) losing it and the, I mean, that was one of the best.
1: Yeah, Adam. Adam's had a lot of experience with that, so he was good. He just he writes very fast. Uh, he's, him and Chris Egan work together, and I, I'll tell this story again someday because I love it. So we stopped three snowmobiles, there's three of us, Chris Egan, Adam Cheney, and me, and Chris is quite the talker, as you know, Ben. So Chris is chatting up these guys and stuff, and Adam's writing away, so he writes all three tickets. He hands each one of them, as Chris is still visiting with him kind of, and he says, okay, when this, this warden is done talking to you, he'll explain those tickets. Have a nice day. And he drives away. And Chris is just looking at me and going, uh, <laughs> did that just happen? I'm just laughing. I'm like, yeah, it did. So adam wrote very fast so i i think that was very good that he had that and he was very focused i i, I liked watching the video because i'm like i can tell adam because he's just he's focused he's writing he's going to do this he's going to get it done and, and they're on their way and yeah that guy yelling at him is really not affecting him he's focused but it was it, it was awesome yeah i mean that's people lose their crap i mean don't they john yeah. they just they go insane
2: sometimes they do, yeah, I mean, and it, but you don't really see the dr- the drama, the craziness of it until you see it on like a nationwide television program, mm-hmm. and go, "Is that kind of really acting that way?" I mean, mm-hmm. that's the response you guys get sometimes as game wardens, and it is, it is just randomly out of the blue. But Ben, I got to go back to the moose rescue, uh-huh. um and you mentioned how people just re- the resonate with these rescue animals in danger. They're in pain. They're getting hit by a car. You know, they're they're coiled up in a fence. And it's not always like for us, uh, and this will bring you back to kind of some field producer time when you were running a a team out there. I remember a case that involved a cow, It involved a heifer. Um, Season two for us, and it was a Sunday. It was like NFL playoff weekend. We had had just three months of nonstop filming with our teams. Basically, everything was pretty much in the can for season two. But we decided, hey, we're going to go out and do one more patrol. Our field producer was again named Byron Goggins. He was an ex pro ATV racer and an NBC sports guy and an outdoor guy. And I said, "Well, listen, we got an extra, you know, ATV. We're gonna I, we can do an ATV patrol in this wildlife area I've got. There should be. We're not gonna see a lot of activity, but if anything's going on, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But it'll probably be dead. Who wants to take a quad ride? So we decided to go for it. Three of us. I had um, young Jeremiah Preffer. that was a new Warden working for me. I was his lieutenant. We had two quads. We got an extra quad for Byron. And I had my yellow lab, Apollo, who was my second canine companion. She was like six months old. She had never done a quad ride. So he's like, well, that's going to be cool. Let's get her on her quad for the first time, your new pup. We went through that wildlife area where I couldn't have guaranteed in any other type of patrol on that place, except when a film crew shows up, illegal guns, you know, shooting this and that, stuff out of season. There was nobody on the wildlife area. It was dead. I'm like, okay, well, we had a good quad ride. Let's go back and watch the Packers playoff game. This is a bust. We're headed back like a three mile ride on these ATVs. And there was a little road that I had never been down that looked like I went to the bottom of a canyon, which means as Wayne knows, and you know, from your experience working with all of us, if you're going to the bottom of a canyon like that, there's a two track, there's probably a water source. So I just got to check it. Come on, guys. So we go down and, you know, we're in front and Byron's behind us on his quad and we get to the bottom of this canyon. And here's this pond, and it was a drought year, so it was just quicksand mud. And there was this heifer emaciated that had been in the middle of this quicksand where she was just two feet from getting out any one direction she went, but couldn't move. And she had been there for days. And I didn't know about this pond. And you know, you got buzzards flying around, coyotes are running the edges. I mean, she was this close to being done. And right away, you'll know this from a field pro- producer's perspective Byron's like, Stop! Don't approach it. I need to film you guys getting to that cow, and I'm like, <laughs> we just got to rescue. It. What we got to go check out this cow? It's a cow, and sure enough, man, when we got down guys on that, and she's just a mess, and we're filming it, and <laughs> Jeremiah got the you know the short end ass end of the stick so to speak no pun intended of digging out the back of that cow I'm digging the front my dog's sitting on the quad going I'm not having anything to do with this so she stayed on the ATV rack we dug her out we pulled her out we rescued her gave her as much water as we could we notified the rancher um it became a story I think in the season finale of season two and it blew up it blew up in America it blew up in Canada then we were getting like pings from Europe like what happened to the poor cow? That was amazing. She looked so horrible. And it was just people, right, Wayne, resonating mm-hmm. to that animal rescue in pain. And it doesn't matter if they're a domestic, if they're a stock animal. It was just people's love for animals. And we did not anticipate just the hundreds of emails and calls we would get on this heifer. Um, and we did everything we could. I mean, it went to a vet. It got it didn't get an enema, but it definitely got the hydration from, you know... Um, you know several ivs and things like that and she didn't make it you know just kind of like your moose situation there ben but um that was uh people were hanging on the edge of their seats for that we didn't see that coming and again a long-winded story it just got into when you least expect it a a fairly sedate incident that you're going to film that you think will never even you know it'll it'll end up on the editing floor with what really our show was all about given the drive from our you know from the network and it became, I think, one of the most resonating stories in general that validated us even more. Uh, and that was kind of cool, but it was completely unpredictable the way it went down. I was, uh, And your moose story reminded me just of something like that, how people feel about um, animal rescues in general.
1: Yeah, because they love the animal rescue stories, don't they, Ben?
3: Oh, yeah. Well, and for that first season of... of um, I don't know maybe it was longer, but that first season of, of uh, Maine... <clears throat> we weren't allowed to show an animal dying. That was an actual requirement from animal Planet mm-hmm. that you wouldn't, that, that animal did, did die. I mean, you could assume it died, but you never even, you never would say it died. <laughs> you, would, you would never show it died. I mean, once we got to Texas, everything died and it was fine. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we're, we're shooting this. It's, you know, is that but, part of your you
1: know, favorite gotta...
0: story
3: in Texas is a dying animal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, die. Okay. Let's just help it a little. No. <laughs> ah <laughs> uh, that's funny yeah, yeah. And, and you know what like there's something to be said for that when you you know that take matters that far to you know save you know and that you know throw out an honorable mention of glenn lucas where we you know drove two and a half hours from uh La- lancaster to yeah you actually uh, got that loon in pittsburgh the loon. <laughs> yes and no, drove it drove it to
1: concord
2: long distance safe
1: and when he yeah, called me the next right? morning my first words were i don't think you get paid for you know you you realize you didn't get paid for that don't you yes yeah, yeah.
3: so i'm like oh, man okay. i miss that guy that, yeah you, you know you have you have some of the i mean everybody you know is is wonderful and obviously you know with so many people working on the show you form your bonds with you know different people uh but glenn lucas is a is a champ in my book um everybody you know every i have to preface that but you know you have, yep. uh, i understand yeah like um but the biggest story that i ever had in this whole thing um which to this day like i will never experience anything else like it was hurricane harvey with lone star lot mm. yeah um, and i was actually in new hampshire um up on the i think i was actually up with with Glenn and Hurricane Harvey's moving in. We're because it's not normal for a showrunner like myself to do two shows at once, but because, you know, the whole thing was understanding how these department works, building the trust, you know, Mm -hmm. that was just what I did. And so there's this ability to kind of jump back and forth. And eventually once you guys got on your way, it was, you know, the the right thing to do to pass you off to David and Justin who, you know, did Mm -hmm. an amazing job um but and I, and there's another question I have for you about the uh wild justice in California because there's some unique similarities between California and Texas in the type of production that we had to do versus New Hampshire. But right. back to Hurricane Harvey. So I'm in New Hampshire, we're getting texts being like, This hurricane's coming, where's your guys? Where's your guys? Where do you want us to be? And like it's just all hands on deck. And I pull like Ryan Van, Kevin Ting. I'll be arrived from Northwoods, New Hampshire. We just get on a plane. We're like three yeah. of five people on this uh, like heading into uh, it. Heading into <laughs> it. I, I just, just the only flight that we can find. Yeah, <laughs> we land in Austin in the middle of the night, and we drive straight into Rockport, like while the eye of the hurricane is is coming in, and <laughs> we sleep on our car outside of like the this barrier that they set up where everybody, you know, took, you know, what do they call it when you make camp at a location. Um, and in the morning we drove right in and woke up with the game wardens and were there. And we covered Hurricane RV with three teams from Rockport, Corpus Christi, all the way over to East Texas. And what was crazy was the storm wasn't stopping. Like we we got there when it happened and then just kept happening. kept happening. And there was a moment we were chasing Aaron Sims, trying to follow Aaron Sims. I mean, there was everywhere. And we're we're in our Suburban. which is what we used to follow the the game warden trucks half the time. And we take this turn, totally turn down the wrong (laughs) road. And there's no turning back. And (laughs) I tell you, the water was up to the windows. And you just went. And, like, I mean, nothing ever like it in my life. It, and that was four days more than four days um, of managing the crews like I mean every person that works on this show whether you're a game warden or or a crew member ultimately I'm responsible for whatever happens whatever, when, when, you, when we're on the clock um, and so that was my life for over a decade um, and sleeping at night for a decade knowing If there was a team out there, whether it was New Hampshire, Nevada, Texas, Mm. I could get a call at any time and something could go wrong or I would need to pull the trigger on something. Or, I mean, you you, you know, anything could happen. Like Anything could happen. And, like, I just think my lucky start. I mean, we had some stuff happen, but nothing that will – that, you know – I mean, to have it go this long and to be able to say, like, hey, it was – Oh nothing bad. I mean, the closest one was Seth, Seth uh Martin getting hit by that semi truck. I mean that yeah. was insane. But um so the Hurricane Harvey, just to be a part of the rescue efforts in such a monumental catastrophe um and just see and, and documenting it too. Cause that's yeah. what you guys did. It was
1: great because you documented evidence, basically. Your your camera guys are documenting evidence all the time for us to the point where you know uh, northwood's law went to our supreme court john so we had a yep. case go all the way to the new hampshire supreme court and we won so yep. um and that's yeah. credit to steve awesome. engel for going yep. all that because yeah. these people you know they wanted money they wanted money yeah. and steve was like Super. no we did nothing wrong and it went all the way to the supreme court and uh, sided with uh, the side of uh, northwood's law so, and or England Entertainment. And uh, yeah. thank God because it, it, it sets precedence. Because if, if he had let that one, there would have been another and another and another. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, my hat's off to Steve for guiding yeah. that ship and, and doing oh, that. Yeah. So, and making good
3: case law for us. Yeah. yeah Steve and Heidi, they're, you know, a, a duo that you can't compare anyone else to. Um, they're, yeah. But uh, go ahead, John. I think you were about to say something.
2: No, I was just going to get to um, the, the hurricane. That was, I think, the biggest challenge for you as an executive producer to rally all those teams, right, and then get down there in time and to capture that. And, I mean, that that's a historical hurricane event for Texas that's, you know, pretty raw still, I think, for the nation. And, again, not something that everyone, until they see these reality shows, are going to realize that, you know, natural disaster response and rescues and... Search and rescue, Wayne, like you've done a ton of up in, you know, the highest elevations, New Hampshire. That's a big element of what we do, and it goes underrepresented. But, I mean, I think that particular event with the hurricane, Ben, and, you know, some of the the White Mountain stuff you talked about, Wayne, and the stuff we did in our eastern Sierras at 14,000 feet, Um, it was great that that was captured. It had to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it just validates. It shows the diversity and also shows how uh, really – Understaffed, I think we all are not just game warden agencies, but all these other agencies that so we become these force multipliers together during these incidents. And you find out that everyone's kind of an equal and we're all team members and, you know, mainline law enforcement, police and sheriffs and federal agents and game wardens doing their thing. We're all just trying to. We're all just trying to make it a better, you know, a better world in the way we can. We're trying yeah. to save lives. We're trying to protect animals, and it's good stuff. So, yeah, um, that's cool that you were able to, to hustle yeah. that operation and make it effective. And you
1: guys really well, highlighted the, the, the best the, part.
2: Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Highlighted say the, the best balling. part
3: about that is we get to make a difference for the for in real life. Yes. You know, right. you get to dif- make a difference in real life. Like the stuff that we're doing is actually real stuff with real people, real animals, things that affect generations. Like, I mean, there's not really anything else on television that really has that, like, broad of an impact. Yeah, Yeah, and I think
2: a more visceral impact is, like you said, Ben, it's real life. It's not scripted. It's not reenactments, like, out of a documentary, which, again, I'll, I'll take that, too, just to get the message out. That's all good. But regardless of us only doing three seasons with Wild Justice, I look back on that as... Probably it's definitely a top five career highlight. Not because we were in a reality show, but because what we were able to accomplish with that with that medium, the relationships we made with lifelong friends like you have with all the East Coast guys and Texas, we have those still. I mean, I stay in touch with some really good field producers, cinematographers, EPs that still just love what we do, and they're out there, you know, beating our drum. And they've they haven't done anything with the game warden genre in production since they're on to other projects. Some have promoted, like you said, and they're doing, um, they're running bigger crews, like, like you are at the more executive production level. Um, but those are nostalgic moments for me, you know, and those are friendships that were made for life because they learned a lot and they consider it some of their most enjoyable times in their careers. They look back and go, oh man, remember that case and remember we did this. And, you know, remember, remember when, uh, you did this and blah, blah, blah. And, I'm really grateful for the opportunity, and I still hear to this day. And even though we, you know, our show ran from 2009 to about 2011, then Nat Geo Wild tried to, because we weren't agreeing to do more shows. They made half-hour vignettes. And did they make on. Cajun
3: Justice or whatever that was? Like,
2: yeah, they went on. The they floor? went. Yeah. They yeah. Did, yeah, when we <laughs> went and pushed over to Cajun Justice next, it was original. Yeah, they did that. Hey, and hey Jen, yeah. Hey, Jen. A <laughs> hey, Jen. Yeah, they it, it, it kind of in that direction, but um uh, but there there were some good, good experiences and it did a yeah. lot for Agency Man. It did a lot for Game Wardens everywhere. So Northwoods Law, Lone Star Law, Wardens, what the Florida Show, Nat geo Wild Justice, it all just pushes the thin green line. Yeah, you know, yeah. worldwide. You sung
1: so, the unsung four, hero.
2: The more they can have it, the better, right, Wayne? Let's yeah. have more of them. I'd like to see every state 100%, that hasn't man. been represented, no matter how small, have their own show because they're all yeah. they all have a unique element to it, you know. What What's the trend, Ben?
1: Because you you talked about that. I mean, yeah,
2: Ben, you said it was trimming.
1: Yeah, we have um, and and you know the thing is, we have a ton of still following Northwoods Law. I mean, there is a lot of people out there that still love yeah. that show, um, as well as the Texas show. I mean. Where do we go from here, and why? Why are why is the tides changing?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked this question because I will be the, I will be on the front lines every day, trying to continue to put wildlife law enforcement on television. I mean, that has become a daily um, duty of mine. Just you know, my my, (laughs) you're welcome. But my commitment to Engel Entertainment, who you know is a huge foundation building block in this whole you know franchise and and genre you know to to really you guys and the truth is what you said Wayne or or John every state has something different to offer hey I'm just gonna real can you just take her out and shut the door my dogs is real get out of here your dog shuts the door too that's pretty good (laughs) (laughs) she's a blue lacy She's part coyote does she Um, bring you a beer too she's a state guard of Texas Um, she does a (laughs) lot of things yeah Um, yeah. I'm in the middle I'm in the middle of remodeling my house so I'm basically living out of my my car at the moment in the garage and it's it's storming in Texas and I had to bring bring her to the I actually own a, a bar where my office is now and here I am but anyway Nice. Uh, the pendulum is hopefully going to swing. Uh, every day we're in talks with networks because they're looking for, you know, hopefully the next thing that is going to allow us to tell your guys' stories. Um, you know, before COVID it was on the, on the rise and people enjoyed watching, uh, you know, real people do real things. Um, <laughs> and the television industry has just had a huge, you know shift in you know where advertisers are spend, spending their dollars what networks are looking for you know what really what really sells and so you know the 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 disappointing thing is is this is important to everybody and it can be entertainment it can be educational but it's actually doing something that people will benefit from you know on TV and off mm-hmm. um, and you know I'm never going to stop pitching you know, as long as you guys want to do the show, I'm always going to say, "Hey, we have people here that want to tell their stories, and we want to be able to tell them." Um, gr- granted, you know, 20 years ago, you know, or however long it was that the first one started, tele- reality television was a, a whole different ballgame. We did it a different yeah. way, um, you know. And part of the challenge that I face with you know the streamers, different platforms, is how right. can I tell this story in a different way? Uh, um, you know, what people see in Northwood's Law, Wild Justice, all of those things, it's, you know, that's called a, a follow doc. You know, we are following you guys. We are in the moment. We are telling a story as it's happening now. Um, and that kind of television, reality television, unscripted, um, just really is it what's selling. Um, but the pendulum always swings back. So yeah. when it does, we will be there to take advantage of it. And And I think, too it, it, you know. It's as soon as people, as soon as the networks figure out who's watching what, you know. If you look at Roku and some of the other, you know, streamer brands where stuff is acquired and it's and it, like Warden's, where Animal Planet has rebranded it as um, as uh, Yellowstone Warden's, right? I so agree. you know, Warden's was a show on Outdoor Channel that they did in house and. It was in montana and you know they were allowed to sell it to animal planet and animal planet was allowed to rebrand it and air it as quote-unquote a new tv show where where you know they're not spending any money to make any new content mm-hmm. and they're just re- reusing something like that um cool. yeah I, it, you know it's tough i i like i said we we have a really close relationship with um, endow uh um, i spent you know, two years of our time, you know, doing a series there that I wish so badly we could get on television because it's like you said, a completely different story for right. that agency, for those men and women that are doing a job. And yeah, it, sure. it's nine day, um, you know, and just like New Hampshire was, you know, different than Maine is different than Texas. Like, and it's also just a way to learn more about the country we live in. Exactly. That's, yeah,
2: it. that's I was thinking that same thing just now, man, is uh, you get to see the geographical, cultural mm. kind of inner workings of different states and they are uniquely different. I mean, take it from a guy that was raised in California, then I come and join my family that's been in Northwest Montana for 40 years and go, okay, man, both great areas, uniquely different and you would not recognize the two. And when you see game wardens from both our states, The jobs, you know, it's on the same genre, but the issues we deal with are so completely different. And viewers are mind-blown like, oh, man, I had no idea that was going on in Cali. Abalone and this and that on the coast and whatever, a multitude of things. And the search and rescue component to what Wayne was dealing with and some of the most treacherous mountain ranges in the country. And you don't think of the East Coast mountain ranges compared to like the Rockies out here having that element of disappearing people and treacherous rescues and that's completely the opposite we know it how how severe and, and gnarly it can be up there so yeah I, I agree that's what we need to see ben is we just like to see that microcosm just like kind of wayne how we started to you know collaborate on the podcast is get the west coast element mm-hmm. that really isn't necessarily getting enough stories out there compared to the east coast element and we all have that same love but we all have a unique different stories and people thrive on that so 100%. by all means the more you can do on that well um, taking that to the next step so given the pendulum where it's at now ben can you share what you're working on now or any of the passion projects that your network's ha- having you kind of coordinate as an ep and share some uh, fun tidbits
3: sure yeah um so i've stayed at angle entertainment um i'm right now the chief of content for them so everything that we do um over i oversee um we are doing a uh episode for or a, a pilot for magnolia right now um nice yeah it's just a, a, a reno show in and uh savannah so that's super fun um, we're working on a lot of stuff you know right now the the industry's looking for what we call ip and when you can attach a celebrity or you can attach some kind of access um you know it's it's a little bit of a safer bet than something that you know may not have um any kind of built-in audience um but uh you know we're what did i i'm working on a food show um a, a pitch for for food network um a competition reality show here in texas on one of the ranches um, uh, yeah you know so <laughs> it's fun the development process is fun you get to do a lot of different things. Um, we have a lot of access in, in Alaska and we're working with a couple of police departments. Engel did um, a show called Alaska PD that was on a before e um, before COVID. Um, and so, you know, hopefully, again, that law enforcement television pendulum swings back and, and we all know kind of why it swung away. And, um, you know, hopefully people continue to understand that the stories that we tell for the people that protect the United States and the citizens of the United States are still very important. Um, and they're just going to get more important. I see that's why like, it's just a little, you know, frustrating sometimes it's because when we talk about all of these things that we want to, you know, put our, draw our attention to when we're talking about our planet and we're talking about conservation and we're talking about sustainability and all these things. It's just like, well, the game wardens are at the front front line of that you know and it's just like you know and and preserving traditions and preserving all of those great things that you know people come to america for um, right. you you guys are there to protect them uh, but uh but yeah so we so basically i sit and i zoom with people we're we're always looking for you know new people to do tv shows uh, um we have uh, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, what do we have going on? Um, we're working with a couple people on potentially getting um, some access to the FBI. Um, nice. That would be mm. really cool. Um, and uh, we got, we have a the, the, Reno, the Reno flip yeah. business is pretty big. You have all those streamers that, you know, you, everybody likes to see somebody do something crazy with the house. Mm. Uh, they're blown yeah. up. Yeah. But no, we. I mean, the the with Endow the and even with New Hampshire, um, wherever we see an opportunity to be, you know, proactive about ultimately getting that stuff back on television, we're away to. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, but it's it's a tough business, you know. I mean, it's I, I'm I'm fortunate, but it's one of those businesses where you hear a lot of no's where you know it's hard to figure out what everybody wants and right now there's just a lot less dollars ultimately that people are spending so yeah do you think sometimes it's not necessarily what the people want but what the network wants yeah unfortunately you know you'd think if they were listening to what truly who is watching television where and what they want to see and there would be more shows like northwood's law um but yeah no because
1: you know the people that love Northwoods Law still love northwood's law i mean you can see all the social media and certainly that was my leg up in the podcasting world was that group of northwood's Mm -hmm. law hardcores i mean they they still follow the show they love the show they they feel like it's a continuance of their relationship with the game wardens and Mm -hmm. expanding too so they can you know they 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 meet people like John and we then we visit with other people all around the country and then we throw in some really cool people like you Ben uh Barry Kirch uh you know Colonel Oliver North Jack Carr uh That's we threw cool. all those people in there and they get a little taste of that as well and I think it's 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 been really really cool so uh and I think Northwoods Law, I'm going to credit them for giving me that leg up but after retirement. I kind of know what to do with myself kind of thing. And, you know, when I came on to this, uh, I mean, certainly you guys uh, helped promote it on the Northwoods Law social media as well, which gave a good boost and uh, the support I well, got. Now
3: that I know, I'll help. I'll, I mean, some of this stuff just, I don't know. And I was like, hey, somebody tell uh, me it. All. <laughs> yeah. I still have access to that. page. Hey, anytime you want me to post, I'll I'm, I'm post for you. Awesome. Uh, right on. Yeah. 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 Well, I will. There's one project, you know, talking about that that I'm hoping um, get some traction, and you know, hopefully, or I'm not saying anything I shouldn't. But um, you all know Steve Ranella from Meat Eater. Um, I'm hoping to work with him. We're we're kind of conceptualizing a concept where, um, you know, he kind of shines a light on some of the um, the poaching cases that you all have worked on in the past, and potentially current poaching cases and if he gets excited about that, we might be able to, you know, find another way to tell, you know, some real stories and and potentially help solve some of the cases. Yeah, Yeah, that
2: would Mm. that would be a good lead in. I was on uh, Stephen's uh, podcast right when my new book dropped and um, he's, yeah, you don't have a better proponent for anti poaching efforts, even the ones he wasn't aware of, you know, going into that podcast. So I hope that materializes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anything we can do to shed a light on it. For
1: sure. Don't tell
3: any. Don't tell anybody. No, 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 we
1: won't. We'll keep it right to everybody.
2: <laughs> right to everybody.
3: You got to do this, Steve. You got to yeah, do this yeah, show. We exactly. kind of know Ben. He's vetted.
2: He's yeah. vetted. Watch our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be really cool. Seriously, um, and it would expand. It would expand the network for sure on anti-poaching. Yeah. Given their reach, yeah,
1: yeah, oh, absolutely. The more we can expose this stuff, the better off we all are. As you, as you know, Ben. I mean, you've been exposing you know the cases that we've been doing for years from across the country and right there with us on investigations and you know how dirty and filthy they get uh, when you're going through the gut piles looking for a bullet to yeah so it's oh, a man. Yeah. I can
3: smell it. I, I can literally it, I can it's really unique. remember.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a trainee Brian Gillis once and this moose was bloated and when he cut into it that he had nice wavy black hair and the air blew his hair right back like he was on a and he gagged for like 20 minutes and all i did was laugh i couldn't help <laughs> but those gases blew his hair right back like he was in a wind tunnel <laughs> and you all just
3: pretend like nothing that's whatever on my area whatever everybody's like, gonna
1: have that experience once but that was just the funniest one <laughs> Anything you'd else you'd like to share, Ben? This has been a great conversation, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be well received among our listeners. Uh,
3: so, I mean, I'm I'm it's I'm happy you asked me. I'm super grateful, only because you know when you do what we do, you know, all of the people that that worked on these shows, and and truly, they're the ones that that make it happen. Um, you know, I could go on and on about you know people that really played a huge role in setting the tone of these shows setting the look just building the trust building the relationships and ultimately focusing on the main goal of people having fun and telling the stories of you know you hard working men and women um, you know I mean more and more outdoor recreation is is so important and we value that and you know I just commend you guys for for continuing to showcase people that are are trying to preserve that for us and, and ultimately if i can be any more part of that you know i will um i never would have thought as a television producer that my you know my legacy would be built on you know growing up in in fulton california plaza real california where, you <laughs> know where we didn't where we didn't know what hunting was like you know you might have a little bit yeah, but like yeah.
2: you
1: know. right up
3: the road for me man that's a yeah. small oh, that's cool yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, but well. now you know i've been the go-to guy for outdoor wildlife law enforcement shows gun shows you know and i'm happy to keep doing them because you know that community that part of the world um is really something special that truly have great stories to stories to tell and really make up a a good part of america which i'm proud to be a part of too
1: yeah and i think we john and i both never as we got became game warriors ever thought we were going to be on television but i think it was a highlight in our careers as well um, to be able to share that and to be able to network with guys like you and uh, you know, become family for that short time and uh, appreciate what each other does. And uh, yeah, it was, it's been really cool. and, And I was very thankful for that experience. And I was just, you know, when they, they, when the whole thing started, I was just like, yeah, not, not really supportive of it at first. And then as I saw what it was doing and I think it grew on all of us and, and being a part of that was just uh,
3: an incredible part of my career. Yeah, and I'll say this: like, lastly, like everybody I've worked with, I mean, and 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 what's really, you know, stops me to to think like I've worked with so many people across the country, and every single person has a special place in my heart, and the experiences that we share, you don't you don't have that with anybody else, even if it was just one day of shooting or a whole year and crazy stories. Um, I don't know what I could ever replace that with and I would never want to replace it. And so, you know, to everybody I've ever worked with that's watching and listening, like they, they, you know, they held up, you all hold a special place in my heart. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thanks for joining us. So the thin green line, Ben Shank, Ingle entertainment producer of Northwood's law and Lone Star Law. Did I yes. miss any others, Ben? In there? Ah, uh, uh, we don't have to name them. Okay, we'll we'll leave it at that.
3: Thanks so much for Thanks, joining ben. us. Good to Thanks see you guys. And yeah, crushing bud. Thank you. Thank you so much.